and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary, and this week we're talking about season one, episode six, The Pack, which, yay! (laughs) You all have no idea how much I've been waiting for this episode to come up. I love Hyena Xander so, so much. 14-year-old Mary probably should not have liked Hyena Xander as much as she did, but then 14-year-old Mary also probably shouldn't have liked JD as much as she did, so there's that. Before we get started, I have just a few announcements. Uh, The first being you'll notice Dylan was absent from this week's intro. He has some real life stuff going on that he needed to attend to. And so this week I have our very first guest host, Froggy! Yay! Oh, I'm excited. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're excited to be here. Hopefully Dylan will be back with us next week. But until then, our thoughts are obviously with him. Uh, The second and third we'll get to in a second. I want to give Froggy a chance to introduce herself. I know you all have heard her mentioned on the show a few times, but now that she's here live and in person or (laughs) on the other side of a computer screen, maybe at the end of the season, you will actually be live and in person because I'll be up visiting you once we're both vaccinated. I know. But yes, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, how and when you discovered Buffy and what Buffy means to you? Oh my God. So first of all, I wish that I could be here under better circumstances being with both of you, but I will admit that I also am happy to be here discussing Hyena Xander because again, (laughs) a lot of inappropriate thoughts as a teenager about Hyena Xander. I discovered Buffy with the movie and when that came out, It was something completely different. You had a girl who kicked ass and looked good doing it. She could be a girl and be somebody who slayed vampires at night. And then when the TV series came out, that was even more exciting because then you got more of this girl who could kick ass and look good doing it. So I am excited. It changed my life like it did yours, Mary. I know that's one thing that we bonded over when we got to know each other. But as Mary mentioned, my name is Froggy. I am basically the mom of the group in more ways than one. I have my own son, but then I also have my other children in Mary and Dylan, who I will often chase them around and give them the mom voice. But I love them. They are my problem children. Oh, the mom voice. My real child acts better than they do sometimes. (laughs) But no, I am super excited to be here. (laughs) They're lucky they're cute, all of them. Your real child acts better than we do all the time. Let's not lie. I don't know. He has more tantrums than the two of you do. So sometimes it's uh, it's equal. That's fair. Oh, yay. I'm so excited you're here. I'm actually so excited that you somehow got the honor of being our first guest host. (laughs) Second thing is, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Bookingham on Etsy. I think I mentioned I got a new computer for the podcast and I just ordered a case from them and it's absolutely stunning. It's Buffy themed. I'm going to put some pictures up on our Instagram. I'm going to link the shop in our show notes. If you guys have a tablet or a laptop and you want this truly unique, beautiful case, please, please, please check them out. It's just, I'm so happy with it. And the last thing before we get into the episode is a little bit more serious. Uh, This episode does contain talk of some dark themes and practices. I'm going to put trigger warnings in the show notes. But just one more time, I want to make sure everyone is kind of prepared before we move forward. That being said, let's talk about Hyena Xander. Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) 
episode six, The Pact, uh, its air date was April 7th, 1997. We're still on a Monday. And our synopsis is when Xander falls in with a pack of bullies and adopts their aggressive attitude, Buffy fears they are all under the spell of an ancient hyena spirit. Okay, so still no previously on, but we are still getting the Slayer speech in the front of every episode. And our first scene is going to be the zoo. According to the Watcher's Guide, the zoo sequences for this episode were shot at the Santa Ana Zoo. I feel like I pass the Santa Ana Zoo when I'm in California a lot. I actually had to go check with Panda and I was correct. The Santa Ana Zoo sits somewhere between Rancho Santa Margarita, where she grew up, and Disneyland. So I do I do drive past it quite often. Never been. I love the, f- the fact that... In the first episode, Cordelia says, we don't have a lot of town. They don't have a lot of town, but at least they have a zoo. And an airport. And an airport. (laughs) And like this cultural history museum that we'll see later on. Like Sunnydale keeps like, they have a university. Yeah. Because what, the bronze is a half a block from the good part of town. We don't have a whole lot of town. And they only have one Starbucks. Yeah. But they have all this other shit. But at least have a zoo. You got to have the important things in life. You got to have your weird small child nightclub and you have to have a zoo. The nightclub slash coffee shop slash it's a plot point. It is. The bronze is is just a plot point. It's a way for everybody to get together. It's a way for shady brooding vampires to come and flirt with teenage girls. It's that's exactly what it is. It's a MacGuffin. Like that's the only reason for the bronze. It is. It is is like it's the location version of our magical Mercedes symbol. Yep. All right. So it's field trip time. The first of at least two we will take during Buffy's time at Sunnydale High. We see Buffy walking alone looking at the map when she runs into a group of four bullies. And yeah, if you could see me, I'm doing air quotes around bullies because their opening statement is kind of lame. Oh, look, it's Buffy and all her friends. Like, really? that That's the best they could do? But they wear eyeliner. That's how you know that they're bad. They wear eyeliner. And the one girl looks like she's about 40. Which one? The blonde or the the one with dark hair? The dark haired girl. Yeah, like she... Well, did you notice who else was in the bullies? I did, and I actually made a note about that. That's my next thing, is the, the thing to note about the group of four are the actors who make it up. And the one who speaks, uh, Kyle, is none other than is it Ian? It's Ian. Ian, yeah. Ian Bailey, who everyone now knows from ABC's Once Upon Upon a time. He played August slash Pinocchio. And looking at his IMDB page, this is the first thing listed. I feel like Buffy was the jumping off point for a lot of people because I noticed that that was the first thing for a lot of the actors that are now well known. Yeah. Yeah. We will see a couple of well known actors pop up through the seasons. Including one of my favorites, Pedro. I can't wait till he pops up later on. No, that's right. Pedro Pascal, um, Amy Adams is going to pop up at some point. Buffy was a launching point for a lot of people. Yep. So the other thing about Ian is that he and Anthony Stewart Head will later do 2003's and starring Pancho Villa as himself together. Yep, yep. So with Kyle are Rhonda, Tor, and Heidi. So the one you were talking about is Michelle McCrane. And she'll go on to do the show High Incident. She doesn't do a lot of acting. 
acting after this. I looked her up too, because I was curious. Actually, I was looking at to see how old she was. Of course you were. So is she actually like 45? There's no birth date for her. So because she didn't do much. That's fair. Tor is Brian Gross, who will go on to be on everything from Sabrina the Teenage Witch to General Hospital. And Heidi is Jennifer Skye, and she appeared on two other WB shows, Xena and Cleopatra 2525. Oh my God, I forgot about Cleopatra. I sometimes feel like I made up Cleopatra 2525 (laughs) until it like comes up again because it was part of that whole thing. So like you had Buffy, but then you had like Xena, Hercules, Cleopatra 2525. Andromeda. Andromeda. I don't remember if VIP was actually a WB show. That might have been like UPN. And then you had the one, was it Jack of All Trades? That was basically the Scarlet Pimpernel. Yes. Yes. I think they were all Sam Raimi shows and they all like, they all exist at the same time. They were. Especially Jack of All Trades, because that was Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And I think it was started as an episode of something else. Yeah. And then they spinned it off. God, that was such a good time for television. Right? This is what I'm talking about. (laughs) But everybody's like, we need more females on TV. I'm like, just time travel back to the 90s. Yeah. We had them. I don't know where they went. They were ahead of its time. Society wasn't ready for all of that. (laughs) It wasn't. It was not ready for Buffy and Sam Raimi shows. It just, it wasn't. Okay. In the original script, our bullies are described as, this is the pack, Kyle, Rhonda, Tor, and Heidi. They are the kind of kids who seem to exist only to ridicule others. They are always together, always with fairly bad intent. Lovely. (laughs) They make another lame comment about how popular Buffy must have been at her old school, and then they go on their merry way, off to torment someone else, as Buffy visits with the elephants. She's almost instantly joined by Xander and Willow, who are super enthused to have just witnessed the zebras meeting. (laughs) Something they describe as the Heimlich, with a lot of stripes. Oh. Yeah. Plus Willow's heart. Xander catches on that Buffy just doesn't seem enthused about the whole field trip thing, and she mentions that they used to do the same field trip at her old school. So, okay, maybe as lame as Kyle's comments were, they did dig a bit. And I think this episode might have a bit of a sneaky theme about belonging and finding a place where one belongs, because that's what a pack is. Well, I... When I made the note on this episode, I called it a very special episode where Xander falls into the wrong crowd and forgets about the good crowd. Oh, there you go. I like that you called it a very special episode because the, the thing was always that there was never going to be a very special episode of Buffy because they just worked these things into the normal episode. Exactly. Like they they found a way to do the very special episode trope but keep it in a way that still works in the universe. So this is, this is you know, you end up with the bullies, but then by the end of the episode, you find out that the bullies aren't your friends and your friends are the good people. But in this case, there's hyena possession. Yeah, <laughs> hyena possession just makes it so much easier. And also, like we'll come to later on, where it's basically also puberty that's kicking in and everything is happening funny. Through the episode, we're going to be looking at three different packs. Uh, The pack of hyenas, the pack formed by the possession, and Buffy's pack, aka the Scoobies. Anyway, Xander reminds Buffy that the field trip isn't so much about the destination as it is not being in class. And I 100,000% agree with that sentiment. Field trips were the best. (laughs) Didn't matter where you were going. It mattered that you weren't in class. We We had some pretty good field trips when I was in school. 
Yeah, being on the East Coast, and especially because I live in Philly and you're in Maryland in the DC area, we get that that awesome trip where you like you go into your city and then you can take an easy trip to New York. You can take easy trips all over the place. And again, it's not about where you're going. It's just not having to sit in a class staring at the same four walls every single day. Yeah, I think throughout my, you know, kindergarten to 12th grade, I have probably done a field trip to every monument, every museum that exists in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And no matter how no matter how boring it is when they're lecturing to you at the monument, Monument, at least you are at the monument. You're doing something else. And you can, it's easier to tune them out and stand at the back of the crowd and just pretend that you're listening. Exactly. And we were the good kids. <laughs> we weren't even the troublemakers. And we're like, this is, you should take advantage of this, children. <laughs> This knowledge in hand, Buffy decides the animals now look shiny and new. And with that, we're back on our bullies, now tormenting poor Lance. Lance is played by Jeff Maynard, who came to Buffy from the TV version of Ferris Bueller, where he played Ferris's friend, Arthur Petrelli. They give Lance a hard time comparing him to the apes he's been watching until Flutie arrives, having had just about enough of Kyle and his crew. He asks them what's going on, and when Kyle says nothing, he turns to Lance, because unlike Kyle, he assumes Lance won't lie to him. But Lance, wanting no more problems, agrees nothing was going on and they were just joking around. Flutie accepts this answer and continues on his way, but not before telling Kyle that he'll be watching him. With Flutie gone, Kyle tells Lance he's impressed that Lance came through and so invites him to join him in checking out the off-limits hyena house. No, Lance. Oh, Lance. He really should have known better. (laughs) Fun fact. As Lance points out the hyena house is off limits, Kyle responds with, and therein lies the fun, which could be compared to Hamlet's and therein lies the rub. So first we get the master kind of paraphrasing Macbeth, and now we've got school bullies doing it with Hamlet. But we also pointed out that they're not the best bullies. They're just obnoxious. They're not, they're they're just annoying. <laughs> yeah, pretty much they're just annoying until the hyenas and they get a little Well, okay, yeah. We'll we'll get there. We're about to get there right now. <laughs> And then it gets worse. So we go to said hyena house where Lance, Kyle, and the others are heading inside just as Buffy, Willow, and Xander happen by. As stopping them from tormenting Lance does not require actual slaying, Xander offers to go in and put a stop to it. A top-notch move on Xander's part is I'm sure Kyle and them have had plenty to say about Xander in the past. Yep. For the record, Willow notes that Kyle and his crew are obnoxious professionally. So literally what you just said, like they're just, they're just obnoxious. Yeah. Which, well, I guess you do have your different kind of bullies. Cause I was like, well, how do they like coexist with Cordelia? But Cordelia is more your like popular girl. These are like your kids who are always in detention. Yeah. Like Cordelia, Cordelia is popular. She's a snob. You know, there, there are different layers of bullies and they definitely get to all of them. I mean, but yeah, they're just obnoxious. <laughs> Literally, it's the only way you can describe them. Yeah. So Buffy and Willow are about to follow just in case when they're stopped by the zookeeper, Dr. Wyrick, who is played by James Stephen. I love that his IMDb is filled with mystery series. Yeah. <laughs> He was on Father Dowling. He was on Murder, She Wrote. He was on Diagnosis Murder and like so many others. This guy just literally does like mystery shows are his thing. Uh, You know what? Uh, That's cool. I love mystery shows. He has a good look to him for a mystery show. Yeah, I would do mystery shows in the 90s if I could go back and do anything. Right. I mean, I would be on this show. If I could do anything, I would go back and be on this show. But yeah, I would also do 90s murders. We already we also already discussed that if 
if we were in this show, we would just be hanging out in the library all day with Giles. Yes, yes. We would just literally be following <laughs> poor Giles around. He'd have little ducklings. He would, yes. He tells the girls that the hyenas are just arrived from Africa and under quarantine and that they should not go into the house under any circumstance, even if they call their name, which connects all the way back to our first episode and the movie where Merrick tells Buffy the important thing is that the vampires never learn her name. There's power in names. See, I told you guys this was going to come back around. And apparently the hyenas are capable of understanding human speech and so follow humans during the day, learning their names, and then at night, after the fire dies, isolates the individual, making them ripe for the killing. All this, the zookeeper says, was told to him by the Maasai. Now, okay, you know me. And so I had to go look into and learn a bit about the Maasai and see if they did hold beliefs close to this. So I apologize because all of this is coming from Wikipedia. So the Maasai are a Nilotic ethnic group inhabiting northern, central, and southern Kenya in northern Tanzania. They are among the best known local populations due to the fact that they live near many of the game parks of the African Great Lakes and because of their distinctive customs and dress. While Ma is the primary language of the Maasai, many also speak Swahili and English, the official languages of Kenya and Tanzania. They're very open people and actually encourage visits to their villages so that they may share their customs with those visiting the area. Which, a good idea is it helps with their livelihood because they do charge a small fee and it helps to protect their culture, which the government of the two countries are trying to get them to abandon as they're trying to get them to give up their nomadic lifestyles. However, if it's a popular tourist pull, but unfortunately the Maasai have become known to the world for other reasons as there are some customs they practice that should perhaps be put to bed. They do practice female genital mutilation, a barbaric practice that continues to this day, even though practices like a woman marrying an entire age bracket or sleeping with a visiting male guest who is of mating age have been discontinued. We will be linking in the show notes for this week both the World Health Organization page on female genital mutilation and the Equality Now page that has ways that you can help put a stop to this practice. Ooh. Yeah, a little heavy, but it seemed irresponsible to mention the Messiah and not mention that. No, it is it is good. Also, when you mention a particular culture in a show like this, it is a good idea to see where it was coming from. So, yep. So let's let's bring it back to the episode. Do they believe hyenas can learn people's names? No, no, they do not. Animal possession plays no part in the Maasai mythology. So chances are they were just chosen because they are a well-known tribe. Inside the hyena house, Lance, Kyle, and the others walk through the darkened area to the bars that separate visitors from the animals. Looking down into the exhibit, Lance says he doesn't see any until the fakest goddamn hyena I have oh ever God. seen. That is, that was the worst. The worst. Just, oh my God. I... Like, I know we don't have much of a budget in season one of Buffy, but could you have paid somebody? You are in Hollywood. You have access to so much. Can we just throw more money at that for to get a better looking hyena? <laughs> you would think. You would think we could have, like, I don't know, skipped on someone's wardrobe for, like, an episode. <laughs> Cordelia. <laughs> yes. Cordelia, who this Cordelia's not even in this episode. No, but we could have saved on her. See, the money that you saved not having her wardrobe in this episode, you could have bought a better animatronic. Exactly. See, we should be making TV. We <laughs> we can do it. Give us money. Give us money. Let us make television. <sighs> okay, so yeah, 
fake as goddamn hyena, peeks its head out oh, from God. some rocks. And that's enough for Lance. He's good. He's ready to go. I would have been with Lance. I hate hyenas. Oh, I love hyenas. I sometimes tell Tiba he looks like a hyena. He's cuter than a hyena. Oh, yeah, because he does the little stalking thing and he'll like get a little hunched when he's stalking. So I I tell him he looks like a hyena. And then when you bring in when you bring in the so-called mythology about them learning names like that just makes them even worse. Like, no, no, don't don't say my name. I'm not coming. And you know what? If somebody's calling my name in the middle of the desert at night, I'm not leaving that fire. There is no way in hell. (laughs) You're like, nope, nope. (laughs) I know nothing out there. So I'm just going to stay here. I guess that just means I'm not the weakest one. That's true. You are not the weakest link. So they probably wouldn't even bother learning your name. But I'm a mom. So I'd be like, no, you are not going out there. Let's do a head count. Everybody is here. Remember, I didn't go into the creepy meth woods. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing <laughs> they were creepy meth woods. I'm actually glad Dylan's <sighs> not here to try to tell us they were haunted woods. No. Because they were meth woods. Dylan also would answer the hyenas. Oh, he would. He 100% would. And believe me, when you were talking about the creepy meth woods, I was screaming at the computer that they weren't just haunted. I'm not afraid of ghosts, but I'm not going into Massachusetts woods in the middle of the night looking for a cemetery that may or may not be there. Thank you. Thank <sighs> you. Thank you. See, see, meth woods. Two to one. Meth woods. Just That's same. why he's still alive. He wouldn't be alive without us. We keep him alive. We do. It's a, it's a hard job. <laughs> oh my God. <sighs> Like I said, harder than my own child. So yes, Lance is ready to go. Froggy would be with him, but the others, not so much. The girls call the hyena cute, while Kyle says it looks hungry. He and Tor grabbing Lance and making as if they're going to throw him over the bars, which is when Xander arrives, pulling Lance away from the bullies and telling them to find someone of their own species to pick on. Before they can go much further, the rest of the hyenas, also fake as fuck, (laughs) join the one, their energy, souls, whatever, calling out to Xander and the bullies. They lock eyes as both the hyenas and the humans eyes glow green. That's when we see that they're all standing inside a sigil of some sort painted on the floor of the hyena house. Sensing something is not right, Lance scrambles to leave from where he was by the door. As he does, he drops some papers causing the bullies to crack up because hyenas. (sighs) Xander also turns and on his predatory smirk, we launch into the credits. (sighs) The hyena laughing in the zoo is also really bad. Like, yeah. Could we not have gotten recordings of actual hyenas? I guess not, because we'll get to that later, where when Willow's watching the documentary on hyenas, it's actually African dog. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe in the 90s, we didn't have as much video as of hyenas. As, I don't know. I don't know. It was the 90s. Yeah, we got to keep remembering it. Like, it was the 90s, and we didn't have access to as much stuff then as we do now. <sighs> so I don't know. All right. With the credits, nothing to report here. But before we continue, I'm going to take a moment and talk about hyenas because to understand the behavior we're going to see exhibited in the so-called pack, we need to know what animal we're dealing with. So hyenas, everyone knows them as the bad guys from The Lion King. (laughs) But are hyenas really bad or have they just gotten a bad rep? Hyenas, and again, this is all coming from Wikipedia, are a felite form carnivoran mammal which means they are cat-like carnivores, at least genetically. Evolutionarily, they evolved similarly to cats, 
but physically and behaviorally, they appear and act closer to dogs slash canines. They are non-arboreal cursorial hunters who catch their prey with their teeth rather than their claws. Cursorial meaning they run and non-arboreal meaning they hunt on the ground. You're not going to find hyenas climbing trees. (laughs) This is not to say that all their behaviors are canine as they do engage in grooming and scent marking habits, which are feline. There are four species of hyenas, spotted, brown, striped, and aardwolf. The spotted hyena is the one most commonly shown in popular culture and the one we're dealing with here as the spotted hyena is a bone crushing species of hyena who hunts in a pack as well as scavenges. In folklore, the role of the hyena varies dependent on the region and the type of hyena. In Tanzania, it's believed that the spotted hyena is a witch's mount, while the Buddha tribe believe in a type of were hyena. Only unlike the werewolves of Western culture, when a were hyena is killed, they do not revert back to their human form. The idea of a hyena's laughter sounding almost human is something that originates from the spotted hyena. Interesting enough, though, it is the striped hyena that is present in some of the more sinister tales. And this mostly comes from Arabic folklore, not African. In Arabic folklore, they refer to hyenas as being representations of jinns or similar to vampiric creatures killing humans in the night and sucking their blood. There are also stories of a cannibalistic group of people who are half human, half hyena. So where do these stories come from? Why are hyenas so scary? Well, though rare, it's not unheard of for hyenas to prey on humans. It happened in prehistoric times and has continued happening all the way to modern day. The last known report being in 2004, when 35 people were killed by spotted hyenas in a 12-month period along the Tanzania border. Which sounds terrifying, but then you remember the annual death rate of a bee hornet wasp sting is 62. Yeah. So. But hyenas are big and scary and. Hyenas are big and scary. I would rather face a hyena than a wasp. Froggy <laughs> has seen me when there's a bug. I don't deal well with it. So yes, please give me a hyena. <laughs> Because I think it's their appearance and pack hunting mannerisms and they just, they got a bad rap, these poor fluffy babies. <laughs> no, you're not going to convince me. I know. They are just horrifying. <laughs> From the credits, we go to the bronze where once again, it's DJ night and therefore there is no cover. Buffy and Willow are there hanging out and waiting for Xander, who is apparently late. I love this scene. As they wait, they talk about Xander and how Willow is hyper aware of him down to knowing his blood pressure. That's a little intense there, Willow. (laughs) Willow girl, I love you, but you need to bring it back just a little, little bit. Buffy says Willow's got it bad. That's putting it mildly, Buffy. Yeah, I'm putting... Yeah. (laughs) According to Willow, Xander makes her head go all tingly. Something Buffy says hasn't happened to her lately. Hmm. Hmm. Is she trying to keep things on the DL or does Angel actually not send butterflies coursing through her stomach? Mm Hmm. We should note, despite this, she is wearing Angel's jacket as it went with her shoes. And she does admit Angel's a hottie, but distant and vampire obsessed, which makes him a no-go. Can I share my story? about David Boreanaz now since we're talking about how he's a hottie. Yes! So I am from the Philadelphia area and David Boreanaz, his dad was a local weatherman here. So when the show first came out, he was the dad, his dad was still working and all of the female news anchors were absolutely head over heels for David Boreanaz and they loved to tease his dad about how handsome his son is and it was just so hilarious to see this tv weatherman blush
gushing over all of these ladies talking about how handsome his son was. But then at the end, he was like, yes, I know the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. (laughs) (laughs) I like that his dad was like, I'm going to take credit here. And to be honest, Dave Roberts was a very handsome man as well. He had that whole silvered fox thing going for him. So so he was named after his dad. He was named after his dad. His his dad's name was David Roberts Boreanis, but his dad went by his mother's maiden name. He went by Roberts and then David went by his dad's mar- his his dad's name. So yes, there is a little local Philadelphia trivia for you. I love it. Yes, yeah, so I like to I like to think I'm very connected to David Boreanis because of all of that. So I get even more fluttery. <laughs> you definitely got your like six degrees going. I do, I do. Except he grew up in the main line, which is the very rich part of Philadelphia, and I definitely don't live in that area. <laughs> You guys could have had like some tragic love, like the across the train oh, tracks kind I of deal. I know, I know. It's so sad. I will be forever sad. But anyway, we 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 love Mr. Froggy. <laughs> we do. We love Mr. Frog. He puts up with our nonsense so well. He really does. He's he's bless him. <laughs> Xander comes in, stalking through the crowd, and Willow immediately perks up. Fair warning for those of us who love Willow, parts of this episode, much like parts of Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, are going to be very painful. It's never fun to see our little tree sad. No. Coming over to the table, Xander immediately goes for Buffy's food, just taking it without asking. Biting into her croissant, sipping at her soda, and then declaring it crap. Bird food. He needs something more. Something presumably with meat. Willow, afraid that his weird behavior has something to do with her upsetting him, something Xander tells her is ridiculous, offers they go to the ice cream shop. But Xander likes the energy at the brawn and says as much as he sniffs Buffy's hair. (laughs) She bathes, but that's okay. Why does Willow immediately assume it's something she did? I definitely think it's Willow's insecurity. You know, I know they're setting up the conversations that will happen later in the episode. But like, that was just such a weird thing for Willow to immediately be like, did I upset you? And I'm like, he just walked in the door. But I also think because he was hanging around with the pack at the zoo. Like, I think we're missing a little bit of context between the end of the zoo trip. Yeah, because she does say Xander was very quiet. Quiet. Yeah. On the way back from the zoo. And that was that weird. She and Buffy do have that moment. Knowing Xander and how he usually is, the fact that he never shuts up, you know, they might have thought because because something they might have thought something was weird because he went into the hyena house and then he was somewhat different when he came out. Like there's but again, he's a teenage boy, so you never know what's happening. <laughs> no. We're overthinking this, Mary. We are thinking it about it I way know too I'm much. Overthinking it. I know I'm overthinking it. I do that. That's what I do. That's why, why we have these discussions. I know. Believe me. I know. Because we're friends. Because we both do that. <laughs> so Buffy finds this very weird, as probably would anyone. Stop sniffing my hair, you weirdo. Right? 
But Xander doesn't even bother to address these allegations as Kyle and the others arrive. A group Buffy calls the Winged Monkeys. Kind of like Clark Kent, I don't think I have to explain this, but I'm going to because it's what I do. Winged Monkeys, aka Flying Monkeys, refers to the creatures created by Frank L. Baum for his novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. They were, however, made famous by the 1939 musical film adaption of the novels starring Judy Garland. Speaking of creepy. Do the flying monkeys creep you out? No, I'm okay with the flying monkeys, but they're still creepy. They're not the wheelers. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. That, the, the those are far worse. And Bombie taking her head off, like. The Wizard of Oz is great. Return to Oz is like, that was probably all of our first horror movie. Everybody, like, everybody goes on about how scary the flying monkeys are. And I feel like they did not see Return to Oz, if that's how they feel. See, I feel like a lot of people didn't. Like, I feel like it explains a lot about how we are. <laughs> anybody who grew up in the 80s and 90s. Oh, I definitely think like when you take Return to Oz in like Labyrinth, The Goonies and The Princess Bride and you put those four together, it explains so much about our generation because those were the movies that we grew up watching. Yeah. Oh, this could be a therapy discussion. <laughs> we like therapy session later down the road as we talk about movies that traumatized us. But for now, back to the pack. They enter, lock eyes with Xander, and after a brief moment in which they recognize one another, they head to a table to torment the people sitting there, a display Xander, Willow, and Buffy all have a front row seat to. But while Buffy and Willow are less than impressed, Xander starts laughing. Rude. Ugh, so rude. We move to the next day and a training session between Buffy and Giles. Buffy is going at Giles fairly hard. Aw, Giles. (laughs) Giles has to end the training session sending her to class so he can let feeling return to his limbs (laughs) it's such a pointless little scene but i love it anyway like there's no point to this scene nothing furthers the plot nothing happens but i love it it's a character building scene it just builds up between like any little scene like that just builds up between buffy and giles and their relationship it does you know, I'll take as much Giles as they're willing to give oh, me. Absolutely. We will take all the Giles. Please just pile on the Giles. <laughs> Moving to the hallway, we get a tracking shot clearly meant to be the point of view of something scurrying along the floor. Students are jumping back, trying to get out of the way. That is until Buffy steps into the frame, scooping it up. Turns out it was Herbert. Yay! An adorable piggy who is the new mascot of Sunnydale High and it's Razorback. Herbert. I love Herbert. Flutie insists Herbert is not cute or adorable. (laughs) He is a fearsome Razorback. He is so fearsome. Herbert is so fearsome. Oh, I mean, he does look battle ready. He's got his little foam razor back. I love the little costume that they put on Herbert. The little helmet with the paper mache. Oh, he's so cute. And when Flutie later is like, oh, let me take his costume off of him. Like... I love Herbert. I'm so sad we're not going to see much of Herbert. They should have introduced Herbert earlier so that we could have gotten more attached to him. (laughs) I mean, I got plenty attached to Herbert. I know. I love Herbert. Buffy goes with Flutie to return Herbert to his cage. As we join Willow and Xander outside, Willow is trying to explain the math homework to Xander, something she asked him if he still needed help with when they were at the bronze, but he's just not getting it, something that in his possessed hyena state is frustrating him more than normal. He asks Willow why he even needs to learn it. Would flunking out of school really be that bad? Yes, yes it would. (laughs) She reminds him what happens if he flunks out of school. He becomes the guy at the pizza place, sweeping 
dressing up and asking everyone where the cool parties oh, are that weekend. We've all had one of those. Yep. It will cement him into towny life. Okay, but I find this interesting because Xander's path isn't one of academia. He doesn't go to college. Season one is just all over the place. Like you, you don't really know where anybody. So you have to keep keep in mind that we don't know where it's going. And I mean, yes, you're going to tell your friend they can't drop out of school. Like I understand why this is being said to him. <laughs> you don't want people to drop out of school. I mean, sometimes people do. And, and sometimes there are very legitimate reasons why. I feel like this conversation between Willow and Xander is one that they've had before. So I feel like it's also kind of a running joke between them. I feel like it's something that he said initially that he doesn't want to be the guy at the pizza shop asking where the cool parties are. So I feel like she's reminding him of something that he said before. Oh, 100%. Because I think this also, looking at the character of Xander, I think this also ties into his home life and the relatives that he doesn't want to be like. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, one or two of the uncles dropped out of high school. Yeah. And so Xander doesn't want to be that person. But I just, I really do like taking this conversation and Xander's greatest fear is becoming a townie. And that's where he ends up. But it's not a bad thing. He grows into that role. Yeah, I think when you're 15, 16, you see the townies in a different sort of light. But like you said, he grows into the role. He kind of adjusts his idea of it. Xander, like he grows into that role because he rises up the ranks in his construction job. He makes decent money. He's a good craftsman. I mean, he's truly talented as we see in the trunk. He makes for Buffy. Yeah. So yeah, dropping out of school shouldn't be Xander's goal at this point. But he'll eventually prove that even if you're not academically inclined, you can make something of yourself and do well and just yay, Xander. Yeah, no, we love Xander. And we're not we're not shaming anybody who who isn't academically inclined, you know, but I think, yeah, like like we said, it's it's a conversation that we've had. He doesn't want to end up like his other people, but he just he does need to find his own path, which, like we said, he will. He will. He'll do okay for himself. Oh, Xander. So reaching up to touch his temple, Willow asks he has a headache. And yeah, he does. Caused by math. I can relate to that. Math gives me so many headaches. We can all relate to that. Like, I'm not saying Oof. there's anything wrong with that. Math is awful. I There's a reason I'm an English major. I was an English major. I don't. I don't do math. Yeah, no, no. There's a reason why I went into speech and communications. It's not to do math. (laughs) He tosses the book in the trash saying he feels better already. Willow tries to assure him it's not that bad, but he storms off, leaving her sitting there. The first of many moments in this episode when our hearts break for Willow. Oh, so many. Back on Buffy and Flutie. They're still escorting Herbert to his cage. Flutie goes on about the lack of school spirit in today's youth. Blaming it on gangs, (laughs) drugs, and those movies on Showtime with all the but he's never watched it he's only heard about it (laughs) exactly that's the best part he's like it's all those movies but i don't have cable so i've never watched them and i just i love i love flutie i know i've said this before he's really trying to be a good principal he he is like he's he is the epitome of the principal is your pal like he wants to make sure the kids succeed like he is trying and and it's not you know, you get a lot of principals that 
their thing is not making the school look bad. Like they want the numbers to be up. They want the the grades to be there for the reputation. But he is one of those principals that truly tries, but he just can't relate to the kids. So that just makes him come off as a fuddy-duddy. But he's so much better than what they end up with. Oh, God. And he does say that. He does say that he recognizes that he's doing the same thing adults do exactly. to him when he's a teenager. Yep. yep. And I just, oh. And I like that he and Buffy have this moment moment but it's really sad that they have this moment when they do yeah because this is just adding to my okay i know i know what you're thinking and i know what you're gonna say i know it's just another person who cared about buffy and it's gone. Yep. But we'll get there. Xander enters, something that makes poor Herbert freak out. The small pig recognizing the big scary animal lurking inside the teenager. So there's a whole part of this exchange that gets cut out about Herbert. And it's where it's discussed that the rival school has a buffalo. But as no one took part in the buy a mascot bake sale, Sunnydale has tiny little Herbert. Aww. Buffy, though, assures him he is cooler than a buffalo when she's putting him in his cage. Aw. I also think Herbert is cooler than a buffalo. I would rather have Herbert than a buffalo. Right? No one wants a buffalo. I know. Herbert's just so cute. A lightning bolt streaks across the sky as we head inside the gym into gym class. And we all know what rain in gym class equals dodgeball. Oh, so evil. The class is divided with Buffy and Willow on one side and Xander, Lance, and the bullies on the other. So there is a cut sequence here that would have shown the picking of teams with Kyle as the captain on one side and a kid named Adam as a captain on the other. Adam actually picks Xander, but Xander goes to Kyle's side instead. So this is just something else that Willow and Buffy find really, really strange. Yeah, yeah. The dodgeball game is about as brutal as you would imagine, and the coach is way too into it. Oh my god. The, the coach is just, this is this is his thing. He likes watching teenagers like beat the shit out of each other with rubber balls. Because he even says at the end, he's like, God, this is brutal. I love this game. Like, that is a 90s gym teacher. Yes. All around. <laughs> the game gets really nasty when Xander takes out Willow with a rather hard <sighs> throw to her head. Oh, Xander, you made Willow sad again. I know. The game continues until Buffy is the only person left on her side. Xander, Lance, and the bullies left on theirs. Rather than take on Buffy, Xander and the others turn on Lance, pelting him with balls as hyenas would rather prey on the weak than take on a stronger animal. And speaking of animals, Buffy's scrunchie, cheetah print. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yes. I, lo- I like looking for these little these little things. After gym class, we're by the lockers as Willow waits for Xander to appear. He comes out of class or whatever with the pack and Willow goes to confront him, asking him what's wrong with him. He pulls her aside away from the group and acknowledges that yes, his behavior has been different. And it's because her feelings towards her have been changing. Oh no. No matter how many times I watch this episode, no matter how much I may <sighs> love Hyena Xander, what happens next breaks oh, my heart. So bad. Every damn time. As Buffy rounds the corner going to her own locker Xander tells Willow that he's dropping geometry which means he'll no longer need her help or have to look at her pasty face (sighs) devastated Willow runs off and Buffy having heard everything decides to confront Xander herself asking him do you want to say something to me but all Xander does is laugh and walk away I love Buffy Xander appears to be the de facto leader of this small pack which works as the whole alpha 
male toxic masculinity thing, but not so much with hyena society. Hyenas are matriarchal. Yeah, yeah. So to be accurate in their portrayal, it would have had to be Rhonda or Heidi that was the leader. But I get why it's Xander, because they wanted the emotional gut punch of it being someone in the Scooby gang. Right, yeah. But Buffy versus a female. That would be great. Buffy versus a female hyena would have been epic. I would have loved that. I would have right? loved, yeah. But it's Xander, so they had to... Yeah, they had to make it a male. Yep. So we follow the pack outside. Xander, using his sense of smell, realizes someone has hot dogs, and he leads the others on a hunt to find them. Happening upon the table of a few guys discussing music. Guys who must be familiar with Xander, as one of them asks his opinion on the lead guitarist. But he doesn't care, nor do the others, as they begin eating their food, <laughs> silencing the boys with a friend's share when they try to interject. Okay, they're sharing and then they're straight up stealing my lunch. That, but again, like, as funny as it is, like, that is just such a teenage boy thing to do. Teenage bully. Yeah. Just... <laughs> And then to not even finish the hot dog, like... Right? Yeah, because Xander asks if the dogs are good, and the others start spitting them out. Because they're overcooked. (laughs) Yeah, they're well done. Yeah, well done. Xander sent something else, and they're off. Turns out what they scented was poor Herbert. Poor Herbert. My cutie patootie razorback. Baby. (sighs) As Tor closes the blinds, the others circle round. Finally, Xander announces, let's do lunch. Xander, no. No, baby, no, no. Poor Piggy. R.I.P. Herbert. Oh, you will be missed. I love Herbert. I'm so sad. Like, I, I got attached to that. And then it gets worse. And it's all, it's going to only get worse from here. <laughs> It's all downhill. All downhill. We're back outside and Xander and the others have this super 90s slow motion. Oh my God. Them wiping their mouths. Oh my God. Oh my God. This scene is amazing. And it just, it goes on forever. The music. Which is Job's Eyes by far. Yeah. Like it's such a good, such a good 90s scene. And the sequence ends as Xander stops right below where Buffy is sitting with Willow attempting to comfort her. His newfound hyena hearing allowing him to listen in. Willow says that she and Xander have known each other all their lives. And while they've not always been super close, which I kind of call bullshit on as everything up until this point has led us to believe that they and poor dead Jesse were kind of joined at the hip. Yeah. Because he's like, oh, he stole my Barbies. We were five. Yeah, like... Yeah, so like, I kind of got the feeling it's been the two of them and Jesse up until now. Yeah. And now there's them and Buffy. But okay, I mean, like, also they were kids. So they probably had like that dumb summer they didn't talk to each other or something, which is what yeah. she's referencing. Yeah. Uh, but she says he's never been outright mean. Buffy says there's something wrong with Xander and Willow counters with, or maybe there's just something wrong with me. Oh, no. Because Xander isn't picking on Buffy. And I just want to hug Willow because no, you're perfect. Xander's just being dumb. And yeah. a hyena. And <laughs> a hyena. <laughs> oh, poor baby. But, you know, here we are touching again on that sneaky, sneaky theme of belonging. Because somewhere in this conversation, Willow talks about, well, maybe three's a crowd. And she just doesn't belong with Buffy and Xander. How Xander would prefer it being just him and Buffy. Buffy refuses to believe this. This isn't about Willow. This isn't about her. This is about Xander. Something weird is going on and she is going to go consult the expert on weird. Yep, let's go to Giles. But Giles doesn't think anything weird is going on. (sighs) Picking on those weaker than him, a change in clothing and mannerisms, hanging out with idiots, sounds like a 16-year-old boy. Well, I mean, Giles would know. I I mean, he's not wrong. But I do like, I do like Buffy's line here. 
I can't believe you of all people are trying to scully me. Yes, I love that line. Scully refers to Dana Scully, one of the two main protagonists of the X-Files, an FBI agent and a medical doctor. Scully, portrayed by Jillian Anderson, was known for being the skeptic. Mulder, her partner, was the true believer. The X-Files ran on Fox from 1993 to 2002, with a revival occurring from 2006 to 2018. The show also saw two feature films and a spinoff series. Uh, Can we talk about Scully for a second? Because I really need to talk about about Scully Scully. for a second. Oh, Scully. Scully was one of those characters that Baby Frog realized that she's not completely straight and that girls are really, really pretty. And (laughs) Scully definitely informed my type of woman going on into the future. I love it. I love that Dana Scully was your first girl Uh, crush. She was my first girl crush. And like at the time growing up, I'm going to, I'm getting really deep here on the podcast. Growing up, I grew up in a very conservative area, a very open-minded family. Like my, my family wasn't, didn't have any bigotry or anything. Like we were very open about a lot of stuff. So, but not having much interaction with non-straight people, I was a very confused, very confused teenager. But Scully, I was like, oh, okay. Alrighty then. And I look back now, being almost 40 years old and realizing that that was where it all started. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Now I'm like, who is my first girl crush? I can't even remember. (sighs) I'm gonna have to think about that now. I don't know where that started. I just love hearing about Baby Frog. We got deep. I like that we got a little deep. I know. I know. So she wants Giles to get his books, look things up, but he insists that there's nothing to look up. The boys can be cruel, teasing, preying on the weak. The testosterone is the great equalizer that makes idiots of all men. (laughs) But the preying on the weak phrase hits a chord with Buffy as she's heard it before at the zoo. She now realizes that Xander's been acting weird ever since he followed Kyle and the others into the hyena house. Giles is still a bit hesitant. The idea that Xander is somehow becoming in a hyena is a little far-fetched. That is, right until Willow comes in and announces that Herbert has been found dead and eaten. No way testosterone is explaining that away. (laughs) So off Giles goes to get his books and look things up as we go to the courtyard, where Flutie zeroes in on Kyle and his crew. Convenient how Xander is missing. Good. He tells them that three kids saw them outside Herbert's cage, which, okay, If there were witnesses, wouldn't Flutie be hunting down Xander as well? We're just going to ignore that. Okay. Because Xander kind of led the charge, but I get it. We don't want Xander involved in what happens next. No, we don't. But I don't know. I think I would rather have him involved with what happens next to Flutie than to what happens next with Xander. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's a toss up, but I guess it's easier to come back from what happened with Buffy than it is to come back from having eaten a person. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of a toss up. Yeah. Rhonda asks how Herbert is as Heidi replies, crunchy. Woody then orders all of them into his office and says they're going to have so much detention, (laughs) their grandchildren will be serving it. Okay, question. If you thought four students ate a live pig raw, would detention really be your first go-to? You wouldn't, I don't know, call their parents or a mental health specialist? I would, yeah, yeah. 
definitely try to figure out why. I keep yelling about this the entire scene in Flutie's office is like, they ate a live animal. I would have called their parents, the school counselor. There would have been like 12 people in that office. Probably call the police. I don't know. Like, yeah. it's like this is not like ha- like average high school bullshit. They didn't yeah. graffiti lockers. They ate a live animal. I know. I know. This is again, this is one of those things where you just have to suspend your disbelief to figure. Yeah. <laughs> to move the plot forward. Yeah, you got to let the plot move forward. You got to like not think about how this would have been done in the real world. Yeah. Or maybe he was going to maybe he was going to do that after he figured out what went down. But then unfortunately, we never get that far. Take a moment for Principal Flutie. Back in the library, Buffy and Willow are researching hyenas who they learn are not well liked. Buffy even says that Noah rejected hyenas from the Ark as he thought they were an unholy (laughs) mixture of dogs and cats. Which goes back to what we talked about earlier and how hyenas display characteristics and behaviors that are both feline and canine. I I love that line. So I looked this up and I got conflicting reports on it. Sir Walter Riley, an English statesman who was also a soldier, spy, and explorer, did write in his 1614 History of the World that Noah kept hyenas off the Ark, saying they could recreate them after the flood by mating a cat and a dog. However, if you go to Genesis, there is no such statement. In fact, God tells Noah to take seven pairs of each clean animal and one pair of each unclean animal. So even if hyenas were considered weird and wrong, Noah still would have had to take two. Apparently, Sir Walter Riley never actually read his Bible. <laughs> tisk, tisk. We, I don't know. I'm still with Sir Walter Raleigh on this one. I don't, I don't agree with him on a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I understand you would not have taken the hyenas on the ark. No, no. I would I would have kept the unicorns. <laughs> oh, poor hyenas. My poor, poor hyenas. Willow wonders why Xander couldn't have been possessed by a puppy or a duck. And Buffy wonders if possessed is the right word. And Okay, but if he was possessed by a duck, it would have been an evil <sighs> duck. Their ducks are dicks. Well, okay, but see, I don't, I've never... I know geese attack people. Ducks and geese, like, they're all, they're all jerks. Like. So see, like, that wouldn't have been much better. No, no. He would have, well, I mean, you just throw some bread at him and it would have been okay. <laughs> just tossing bread at Santa. <laughs> The episodes that could have been. So Giles assures them that it is possession, saying he should have remembered that the Maasai believe in animal possession. We already know that this isn't true and that they have no such legend about the hyena learning human speech. Who does have a legend like this is the Ethiopians. They talk of the crocata, a mythical wolf-dog hybrid. Pliny, aka Pliny the Elder, a Roman author and naturalist, talks about the how the crocata simulates human speech and picks up the name as one of them so as to call to him to come out of doors and tear him to pieces. The description of the animal was so like that of a hyena that the scientific name for a spotted hyena was taken from this creature, just to add on to our lecture from earlier. I did see this when I was looking up some stuff for the episode, so I knew you would... You knew I would hit on the the Ethiopians. Yeah, I knew you would get all the good research points. Of course. Have to make Giles proud here. (laughs) 
I need Giles to know that I too would have been a good watcher. Yes. Giles tells Buffy and Willow about the belief behind this transpossession, how the animal state is thought to be truly holy, how only the most predatory of animals were of interest to those with this belief. Buffy asks Giles what happens once the animal spirit takes over, and Giles shows her an illustration in his book. One of bodies torn apart, souls in agony. It sends Buffy to find Xander. That illustration is actually from Dante's Inferno, and it was done by the French artist Gustave Doré. Buffy's trying to locate Xander and decides to start with Herbert's cage as that was the last known place any of them were. While she's investigating the remains of our dear departed piggy, Xander manages to sneak up on her. She turns surprised, and when she tries to get around him, he blocks her path. It's then that she says they need to talk before tackling him, a move that leads Xander to remark about how he's been waiting for her to jump his bones. Ew. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Oh, not good. We move to Flutie's office where he's scolding Kyle and the others, telling them that he's seen some sick things in his day, but that what happened to Herbert goes beyond them all. He asks if it's drugs and the pack starts closing in, making almost whimpering noises. Okay, again, these students just ate a live animal. And if you think that these kids are on some sort of drugs that would make them eat a live animal. You wouldn't want to be alone with them. You don't know what they're going to do to you. Exactly. Like there should have been at least a counselor present or something. And parents and parents. Yes. Call their parents first. I feel like have I feel like the only parents we've seen so far is Buffy's mom and Amy's mom. Yes. Those are the only parents we've seen so far. We don't see a lot of parents. Yeah, we don't see a lot of parents in this. <laughs> I mean, originally, they never wanted Joyce to be seen. Like, that was... That was a thing is they didn't want you to ever see Buffy's mom. And then they quickly realized that that would cause too many questions. Yeah. And so they had to write her into it. But yeah, like, you don't. yeah, you don't see a whole lot of parents. Yeah. So the whimpering noise, okay, is I guess it's not actually a whimpering. I thought it sounded like whimpering, but it's possible the sounds they were making are similar to a hyena's grunt laughter, which they emit in cases of mass feeding. Yeah. Oh. But before we get to the highly disturbing feeding element of that scene, we're back on Buffy and Xander. <sighs> Xander snapping at Buffy as he rolls them so she is now on the bottom. She tells him to get off and he tells her that he knows what she wants and how she likes her men. Dangerous and mean. Well, guess who just got mean? Uh, Xander. I'm gonna, okay. We're gonna wait till the end of this like whole sequence to comment, but we are gonna need to go back and talk about like the Buffy Xander scene in its entirety. Yeah. But since this like flips back and forth so much, we'll go back to Flutie, like finish this out and then we'll address what happened between Buffy and Xander. The giant elephant in the room. (laughs) Yes. We're back on Flutie who is threatening finally to call everyone's parents and to have them take them home. He reaches for the phone, but the pack continues to toy with him, pushing the phone off the desk and backing him into his chair, growling at him. Back to the classroom. Xander's telling Buffy just how long he's waited for Buffy to stop denying their attraction, for Willow to stop kidding herself. Buffy tells Xander she doesn't want to hurt him, but he backs her into a vending machine or something that's all lit up. I don't know what it is. Like they're in a classroom. I thought it looked like a vending. Yeah, they're supposedly in a classroom, but it looks like a vending machine. Yeah. Telling her that he likes it when she's scared as it makes her smell better. I had to look into whether animals can really sense or smell fear and why they can 
absolutely sense fear. It's it's not this like weird, special, telepathic, non-human sixth sense. It's just animals picking up on clues based on behavior and the yeah. five senses that we all have. Like I said, we're going to discuss this scene as a whole in a second, but it's worth noting that in the original script, Xander pushes things even further, grabbing Buffy's jaw and kissing her before remarking, welcome to the jungle. Oh, yeah. So glad they cut that out. Okay, so back on Flutie as we've reached the end, as Flutie is now threatening to have them all expelled unless they speak to the school counselor. So I guess Sunnydale does have a school counselor. <laughs> I feel we should see a lot more of that school counselor. How many dead bodies have these kids seen? Right? I feel like the school counselor should be a main character on this show. I know. He moves to leave his office, but the four back him right back into his chair. Rhonda swiping at his face to draw blood. That's it. That's the final thing they needed. The scent of blood on the air, they go in for the kill. They devour Flutie as the camera focuses in on the photo on his desk. Mm-hmm. Farewell, Principal Flutie. We shall miss you. You will definitely be missed. Your successor is awful. Awful. So, the library. Yeah. Lily is watching a documentary on hyenas or African wild dogs as those are the animals shown in the footage, not hyenas, when Buffy drags an unconscious Xander into the library. So now that that whole sequence is over, what can we say about the classroom scene? About what transpired between <sighs> Buffy and Xander? Is it problematic? Yes. Oh, so much. As it is clearly an attempted sexual assault. And Buffy even calls it such, telling Willow he tried his hand at felony sexual assault. Xander's language is textbook predatory, which makes sense as he was possessed by a predator. And it's not excusing said language or behavior, not in any way. It's we're just simply explaining it. Like he was written very predatory because he was possessed by a predator. Yep. And as much as I love Hyena Xander, which, you know, we have said, (laughs) and as much as my 14 year old self did not entirely understand what was happening in that scene and wanted to be backed into a wall by Xander, a sexual assault, attempted sexual assault is never okay. No means no. And they're not interested means they're not interested. And they definitely, they definitely showed that it was not not a good thing. And I I really no. am kind of glad that they had the line, he tried his hand at felony sexual assault, just to show how serious the situation was. And this whole like this whole episode, like I said, is a very special episode. It just happens to have hyena possession. It's a very dark episode, which you don't really get at first because of the way it's written, because of the way Buffy is written mm-hmm. in general. But when you sit back and you look at the elements, cannibalism and sexual assault, it is a very dark episode. Especially for a season one episode of a series. Like, most shows don't go this dark until later on in their run. Buffy goes dark places later oh, on. Yeah. But like, this was a very much like, they were not pulling any punches right out of the box. Especially with a main character like Xander, who is such a lovable dork to like throw that in there really took it places. So here's where it gets a little bit interesting. One, I already know most of the fandom hates Xander because I don't know why. I love Xander. I know. But most of the fandom does not like Xander. But I do find it interesting story-wise, like in the world of the show, that Xander gets a metaphorical get out of jail free card. Yeah. We all know he's hated by the fandom. We all know that like the fandom likes to bring up this scene and reasons they don't like Xander. But story-wise, this never affects his relationship with either girl. No. What he did to Buffy, what he said to Willow, it's just completely swept under the rug. And they didn't 
tell him what he did. Like, uh, like, okay, we're we're gonna pretend that he did not. He didn't have memory of what else happened. Okay, so we're gonna pretend that he actually doesn't have memory. Pretending that he does for a second that he doesn't actually have memories because they think he doesn't have memories. Why wouldn't you sit down with your friend and tell them what happened? Like, this is what you did when you were under the influence of this thing. Like, it should be talked about. Yeah, and they told him about the pig. Yeah, but then he's like, did I do anything else? And both of the girls are like, no. I mean, and it's for me, it's more the Willow thing because yeah. I feel like with everything she's been through, Buffy is going to be much more able to brush off what happened. Yeah, knowing that he was under the influence of something. Knowing that he was possessed. I mean, out of the cage. I mean, the whole thing is weird. Well, yes, the whole thing is weird. In the hall, Willow ducks into a classroom and hides beneath a desk as the pack searches for her. She remains silent and out of sight, even as Heidi and Xander enter the room. Xander looks about and then nods to the doors if to say they should move on. It's a trick, though, and when Willow surfaces from her hiding spot, Xander is there lunging at her with a growl. She manages to avoid him, trying to escape, only to find Heidi on the other side of the door. Luckily for her, Buffy and Giles have arrived, and Buffy knocks Heidi out before pulling Willow and Giles inside and closing the door. For a moment, the pack tries to get in, but they're off, following another lead, another scent. Willow fears they might be faking, but Buffy thinks they're truly gone, as they're getting hungry and therefore will be looking for someone weak, aka not a slayer. They need to get them to the zoo and fast. She sends Willow and Giles ahead to the zoo while she goes to locate Xander and the others. This is another really disturbing scene. <sighs> a family of three is leaving a dinner of some sort. The parents arguing with one another while the kid finishes the remains of something. I'm guessing his dessert. They get in the car and the dad struggles to find his keys as the hyenas begin calling to the son, Ugh. whose name is Joey. Trying to locate the source of his son's name, the dad looks around as the pack appears at the various car windows, pounding on the grass and making excited feeding noises. Eventually, they start smashing windows as Xander goes to pull the young kid out of the back of the car. And I'm just like, whoa, this Ooh. is about to get like super dark. But no, no, <laughs> we find Buffy's there. Buffy's pulling them out of the car and attempting to take their attention away from the family. And it works because in his hyena state and even in his non-hyena state there is nothing more distracting to Xander than Buffy. <laughs> she tells him that she knows what he wants mirroring his line from earlier before taking off running. Xander and the others immediately follow. So again we're going to do this like back and forth thing yeah. a lot. Giles and Willow have made it to the hyena house. Giles heads inside to see if the zookeeper's there while Willow stays outside in order to let them know when the others are approaching. And approaching they are. Buffy through the woods determined to stay ahead of the pack as they remain close. So Giles heads into the hyena enclosure calling out to the zookeeper Keeper. He appears face painted and wearing <laughs> ceremonial robes, which makes sense to Giles, as does the circle painted on the floor. A circle Giles realizes had to have been there when the first possession took place. Of course. All becoming clear. Giles turns to the zookeeper, remarking how terribly frustrating it must be for him that a bunch of school children accomplished what he couldn't. Yeah, he was upset, but it doesn't matter now, as he knows what he has to do, and so the power will be his. Taking his staff in hand, he slams it in Giles' <sighs> abdomen. And there it goes down Giles again. Yep. Knocking him out, dragging him away. Third time in four episodes, <laughs> Giles has been knocked out. And not the last time. It will not be the last <laughs> time. We're gonna have to take like a tally at the end of each season. Like how many times was Giles knocked out in this season? How many times was he knocked out? How many times were the windows broken? How many like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to like start breaking it down. I'll have to like go back to my notes when we do like the season one wrap up and take note of like how many times <laughs> each happened. So Buffy's 
still leading the pack on their merry chase, getting closer and closer, which causes Willow to run into the hyena house. They're coming. Where are the hyenas? Shouldn't they be brought out? Where's Giles? The zookeeper assures her they'll be brought out when the time is ready and warns her not to get too close as they haven't been fed. He then tells her Giles is laying in wait as he begins tying her hands together, telling her that he's going to need her help. Willow, my love, my lady. Do you not see how totally and completely suspicious this is? Baby girl. Like if someone is like, I'm going to start tying your hands together. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about this. We don't, we don't need to be that thorough. No, 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 we do not. Buffy arrives running into the hyena area with the others, literally at her heels. As they come in, the zookeeper pulls Willow close, a knife to her throat. The predatory act that will allow the hyena souls to transfer. Seeing this, Buffy pauses and that's just enough for Xander to take her to the ground. And the others begin to close in, but the zookeeper shouts something and soon all eyes are on him. Xander, Kyle, and the others have their eyes glow green as the souls of the hyenas leave them and enter the zookeeper who drops his knife and goes to take a bite out of Willow instead. It's so horrifying, but it just looks so funny on screen when he's like, rah. But then you also have to take into account the way he looks with that makeup on. Yes. With his beard and his glasses. Like the whole thing is ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's horrifying, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> so I check the script and what the zookeeper yells is Nuyamba Yasana, which in Swahili means house of art. I feel like they just made something up. Yeah. So in looking up the phrase, I learned that it's actually the name of the cultural center in Tanzania. (laughs) Yeah. I think they like grabbed a Swahili phrase, not really like looking into it. And then that's what it turned out to be. So I just think that's kind of cool that it's actually the name of Yeah. Xander now himself again is not about this and immediately shouts Willow's name, diving at the zookeeper and going to protect her. The zookeeper sends Xander flying and now it's Buffy's turn to enter the fray as the others backed off as soon as they were themselves again and like totally wigged out as I too would be because how did I get to the zoo? Why is there a dude in makeup? The fuck is going on? Why does my mouth taste weird? Why does my mouth taste weird? (laughs) Like, oh, so much, so much therapy is going to be needed, especially because we know they remember. Yeah, exactly. So much therapy is going to be needed for these children. Yeah. They take off running as Buffy and the zookeeper have it out. The last time he charges at her, she throws him and he ends up going over the edge of the fence down into the hyenas where he suffers the same fate as Scar. Just that's not a pleasant way to go. No. Oh. oh, like that's just now it's unpleasant in the Lion King. It's unpleasant here. Not I would not want to be eaten alive, but he was going to eat Willow alive. So he probably deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Buffy looks away as Xander begins untying Willow. Of course, by then Giles has regained consciousness and comes out from the back. All did I miss anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Giles, you kind of did. Oh, bless Giles. Uh, <sighs> so for the last scene, we're back at Sunnydale High and Willow tells us how the vice principal will be. Ta- we have a vice principal. Apparently. Apparently we have a vice principal. Why have we never seen the vice principal? Okay. I'm just like, wh- why was the vice principal not in the office when we were, uh, whatever, whatever. We have a I vice know. principal and he'll be taking over while they search for a new principal. Honestly, they probably should have just let the vice principal be the new principal, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hindsight though is. <laughs> well, except though I'm guessing as from what we learn, especially going forward in season two, like at the end of School Hard, I'm guessing the mayor had something to do with Snyder's Snyder. Snyder, yeah. 
that, yeah. Because, yeah, once you start to get the mayor in on things. Yeah, and Snyder, I think it's at the end of School Hard. He's like, you know, what are we going to tell the mayor's office about this? And it's like the usual gang on PCP. Gang on (laughs) PCP. Yeah. It's a gag. It's a gag on PCP. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing that's why the vice principal doesn't just get the job is that the mayor's office yeah. has some pool with like getting Snyder placed. Yeah. Xander wants to make sure he wasn't a part of that. And the girls assure him that he only ate a pig, which Xander hopes was cooked and called bacon. Aw, sorry, Xander. You would you didn't even want to eat a hot dog, Xander. Yeah, there would be no bacon. No bacon on this day, Xander. Nope. He tells them he remembers the field trip, going into the hyena house and then Guy holding Willow at knife point. Willow tells Xander he saved her and Xander hugs Willow telling him that no one messes with his Willow. Aww. Buffy smiling comments that this is the superior Xander. And it is. It, it is. is the superior Xander. This is the superior pack. The three of them and Giles working together, their little family. Yep. I love it so much, but I still have a crush on Hyena Xander. I know. I know. 14 year old Mary did not understand the implications of Hyena Xander at all. No. Nope. <laughs> there was no consent. No. No. There were no tentacles so we can't say it was non-consentical yeah <laughs> we'll get tentacles later yes something's gonna have tentacles i'm sure we'll get a lot the thing that tries to come out of the hell mouth has tentacles there are probably tentacles somewhere it's been so long he then asks if he did anything else around the girls anything embarrassing and both girls assure him he did nothing mm. they head off to class telling xander they'll see him at lunch to which xander replies that he's going vegetarian as they head one way xander heads the other and runs into giles who says he doesn't remember memory loss as being a part of possession xander asks if he told the girls that and he says Xander's secret dies with him. Aw. Which I guess Giles also doesn't really know what Xander did. Yeah. Giles wasn't there when Buffy brings Xander into the thing and I doubt they ran and told Z- like Giles everything Xander said to Willow. So Giles is covering for him but I think Giles also doesn't, doesn't know, know exactly what he's... Yeah. And and I don't feel like the girls, the girls would be sitting down to tell Giles, oh, here's every single thing that happened that Xander did did. Yeah, just like kind of like Buffy's like, he's being a giant asshole. Yeah. More of an asshole than is like a normal teenage boy and you need to listen to me. Yeah. We end the episode with Xander's shoot me, stuff me, mount me as he walks away and Giles watches, pleased that his little coterie, his pack, mm-hmm. to take it back there one more time, is back to their normal frustrating selves. I love that look on Giles' face at the end. I do too. It's just his like proud dad face. Yeah. He loves the kids. He does. They, they frustrate him too no end but he loves them and I just Giles relationship with all of them is probably one of the best things about the show yes he clearly plays the father's role in Buffy's life and and we definitely see that especially in like helpless that's why he loses his position as watcher yeah but you know he's also there for Willow and when Xander and Anya are getting married he's sitting on the steps talking to Xander about marriage and and like I love that at the beginning you know of course it's like oh you have to keep a secret this is a secret you know and then he welcomes in these two kids and like when he takes Willow and he's like oh I need some help looking up some stuff like he automatically switches tones to include Xander and Willow in the group because he realizes that they're not going anywhere yeah and he does that with each new person that comes in yep except like maybe Spike Spike he's kind of like why are we friends with him yeah (laughs) (laughs) but 
when Cordy gets clued in, when Willow brings Tara in, when Anya loses her status as a demon, every new person that comes into the Scooby gang, Giles is is there for. And I I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, yeah. I love because it's the whole found family thing. Like they do have they do have families outside, but they also have the secret that they can't tell their families that they're part of this yeah. thing. And I mean, besides Buffy, they really don't have family they can depend on. I mean, we see throughout the whole series that Xander's home life is kind of shit. Yep. And that gets compounded in the episodes leading up to the marriage in season six. And then Willow, her mom is never there. Mm-hmm. You find out her mom is this writer and child psychologist who's always off doing things. We don't see much about her dad. Yeah, yeah. So like Giles, Joyce just kind of adopts everybody, all of them, and just is fine with them always being in the house. You know, she makes dinner for all of them. They really are like this family yeah. with like Joyce and Giles there as the parents. And it's it's so, so wonderful. It's so and sweet. Yeah, it's a great dynamic. I just love everything about this show. 